podcast is recorded in front of an unwitting audience. This is True Crime Kent. And we're back up. We are back. Part two of the Anthill Kids. Yep. I'm excited. I'm not excited. I we just was just saying it too. I'm not excited about I didn't sleep well last night. And I think it was because I was I fell asleep. Yeah, you look like shit. How many times I'm going to listen to swears and all the things that happen just on a cursory level regardless of the topic and then I was also like, "Oh my gosh, and the topic's the Anthill Kids part 2." And I thought, "I don't know how I'm going to get through this." Yeah. Because part two and three, this is when we get into the nitty-gritty. And by nitty-gritty, I mean blood and intestines, a lot of testicles, a lot of smelly hippie sex. How about the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Rams? (laughs) Just kidding. I Googled trying to broaden my conversation topics for when I need to pull something out You don't watch football? Not at all, but I... Just, I decided to learn a couple names of the footballs so that I would, I could just go into a room and, and here's the thing. And just say names, just what you're just going to be one of the, the word association. Well, no, what you, well, what you could do is you go into a room and then you just go, you go like this. How about the Rams this week? And it works because the Rams will be playing this week somewhere. Or what if they mistaken you and you mistake mistake they have mistaken you and you're like literally just asking about the Rams this week like no really how about them how how, how are the Rams everywhere in the world in all nature? of them or you got also I guess you do need to be a little careful because read the room if you're at Ibiza don't ask how the Rams yeah. are going because they'll give you a tour. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a gay bar, Abiza. What I was I talking about was butt in. sex. And, oh, you coming out spicy this today? And don't talk about them at a funeral at the casket. When you, you know, you got to get up there. You got to get up there, and everybody's standing at the head of the casket. And you always got to go. I'm sorry, he or she looks great. You know, they really reconstructed the face well. Considering it was a head-on collision at 166 miles an hour. Anyways, how about those Rams? I wonder if a lot of some people might feel that that's a relief. Unless the head-on collision was with a Dodge Ram. And then they're like, oh. Or they were rear-ended by a probe. <laughs> Hang on. This isn't the Daily Show. This uh, is the TCK. We can't do this. We can't just. Yeah. When we left off. Yeah. Yeah. Enough of the. I don't know anything about the Rams. I can tell you a lot about the Dodge Ram and the Ford Probe, but as far as the NFL, I, I don't know much. But I knew the. I do know that when we left off, much, we were just getting into. But I know I love you. That real there There's a little Aaron Neville for you. Thank you. I was going to let you finish there, but we were just getting into the woods of this story, both metaphorically and soon to be literally. We're a little refresher. Rock is the leader of this soon to be cult, the big dick bearded piece of smelly shit that this whole thing centers around. He had garnered followers 
Uh, they're living with all of these followers in a little cramped, shitty apartment in Thetford Mines with his girlfriend. And uh, this was all under the guise of Seventh-day Adventism. Yep. And, you know, as we've already learned and what's going to become more and more apparent is uh, as far as Rock is concerned, this has nothing to do with Seventh-day Adventism, but about fueling yeah. his ego and wanting to be the center of attention. By the fall of 1977, though, all these young people, all in their late teens and early 20s, keep in mind, they were all holed up with him in that little apartment. They were getting ready to head out. The summer was over. They'd had their fun, and they were ready to return to university, ready ready to go back to school. Uh, this wasn't like a permanent thing for them at mm-hmm. the at the time. They were like, all right, well, this is fun. Uh, Pappy, which they had started calling him, and Mammy, uh, this was fun. But it's time to bounce. We got to go back to school. Mm. This really worried Rock. He'd ha- he had these people uh, hanging on his every word and giving him the attention that he so pathetically and desperately needed, much like a podcaster. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and he was super worried about not being the center of attention anymore. And he knew he had to do something. So he began telling his followers, all these young people, that because Judgment Day was near, studying school was pointless. And they didn't need to go. You should drop out of school. It's pointless. Everything's going to die soon. You're wasting your time. And this is a common argument against college in southern states. <laughs> I'm kidding. Nobody ever told. I never had a, never had an uncle tell me I shouldn't go to college because Judgment Day was near and it was a waste of time. I was <laughs> a bunch of goddamn liberals. Never had an uncle tell me that. <laughs> but um, also, I homeschool Sam, and I believe I said the same thing to him. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Oh, boy. They take in what Rock says, and they, uh, they're they like, yeah, that checks out. We are wasting our time, and they end up staying. So all he didn't lose one. They all dropped out of school and just stayed with Rock and his girlfriend in this little bitty apartment. Hmm. Rock then increases the number. Remember, he's running these stop smoking clinics throughout the region there. Yeah. He, he increases the number of stop, stop smoking clinics, and at one point, they're earning him $2,700 a week. Whoa. And that's that's a, and I mean, back that's, in the day. Yeah. Yeah, he's rolling in it. Whoa. Rolling in it at yeah. this point in time. Huh. At these stop smoking clinics, he's still preaching vegetarian living and recommending cold showers as tools to help quit smoking. Mm, I don't think that works. Rock also made them believe this was the only way to quit smoking. And because these are French Canadians, they were completely unfamiliar with cold turkey. (laughs) And that's a Thanksgiving joke because we're near Thanksgiving right now. And it's always good to make time specific jokes on a podcast that people are going to be listening to for years in February and, you know, July. And right now it's Thanksgiving. Uh, French Canadians usually don't celebrate Thanksgiving. And that was a joke about cold turkey because <laughs> cold turkey is, and that's, and he also used these stop smoking clinics <laughs> trying to, I'm really spinning my wheels yeah. trying to get out of that rut that I just got into. I think it was the Aaron Neville. I think that's what did it. I apologize. I'm still thinking about the fucking Rams. <laughs> Told you it works every time. I don't know why, but it does. He also used these stop smoking clinics to try and recruit new members of the, his uh, little apartment hobo club here because it's not a cult yet. It's getting there, but uh, th- right now I'm calling it the apartment hobo club. So uh, he uses these clinics also to try to bring in new members. And in late 1977, this is how Jacques and Maurice Gernier ended up on the ground level of the Anhill Kids. They they bump into him at one of these stop smoking clinics. 
Yeah, they had shown up there to try to stop smoking and instead ended up sitting Indian style in some cramped little apartment that smelled like feet in a circle with a bunch of other people with more body hair than intelligence. Wow. And if I had a dollar. Uh, Maurice, this is very important, and it's going to come up many times throughout the rest of this uh, Ann Hill kid story. Maurice, Jacques' girlfriend, or wife, Jacques' wife, didn't even want to join. She hated rock from the get-go. She was just following her husband, Jacques, and that's cheaper than getting a divorce. (laughs) Over 150 pounds of poutine. That's what it would cost. That's how they they transact in poutine. That's the currency. What they didn't know, what they didn't know is they were about to join a cult where they'd be transacting in poutine every day. But don't get it. You mean farts doing farts? Sex. Oh. Sex. Yeah, the women. The women in sex, yeah. Not so much the men. Poutine does have mayonnaise all over it. Does it really? So. I mean, I like mayonnaise, but on French fries? Yeah. Those guys had mayonnaise all over their French fries. That fry. is so Caucasian. What's happening to me? What are you doing right now? I just got really, I just keep getting dirty. I keep saying dirty things and I don't know why. The transformation has begun. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever energy drink I've been drinking here, I'm going to stop. Rock also began hosting Seventh-day Adventist vegetarian banquets, which Ooh. provided delicious meals Full of lentil soup and bean curd casserole. Gross. Yeah, bean curd is just tofu, for those wondering what bean. It has nothing to do with beans. It's just tofu casserole. Yeah, it seems a little um, deceptive, maybe, would be a way to put it. Yeah, I mean, I've said it a million times. Lentil soup and tofu casserole are really the benchmarks of any successful get-together. Uh, my friends really hate rich, delicious tastes and textures of things like meat. <laughs> and they've always preferred blank bricks of protein because all of my friends are uh, astronauts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the joke is that anybody that sounds like me would actually know an astronaut. <laughs> actually, you should visit Huntsville, Alabama sometime. The place has an actual oh, yeah. NASA place in it. Mm-hmm. In it to- I've drove by there several times. Yeah. Well, Anyways. These banquets, of course, with their lentil soup and their tofu casserole. Just another way up for Rock to recruit new members. And my God, what a way to do it. Nothing pulls in people off the street like the smell of lentil soup. It's like New York. I mean, they do the same thing in New York. They just it's But they pump sewage through the vents to draw the people in. I think they actually really do use this technique in, in some parts of L.A. and Portland. <laughs> Brings in a lot of bearded... White dudes with black frame glasses look a lot like us. Now I'm thinking buns. about it. Man buns, red flannel shirts, even though they've never even seen an axe. It would hurt their very soft hands. <laughs> That's how they bring customers in in Portland and L.A. Lentil soup. Anyways, back to the anthill kids. So the kids, they drop out of school. Like I said, they stay with Rock. And after uh, two of the girls don't show back up for school, families begin worrying about members Chantal Labrie and Solange Ballard. And their parents try to get them to leave the apartment hobo gang. So they're concerned. Chantal Labrie and Solange Ballard, their parents are freaking out. Hey, you need to get out of the apartment hobo gang. Chantal's parents actually put her on a four-week mental health evaluation. But at the end of that, she was declared mentally and physically healthy. And then released back to rock in the apartment people. 
Hobo Gang sounds like uh, the the final boss on Mortal Kombat. You have never played Mortal Kombat. Finish him, Hobo Gang. Did you just put that together in your head because of Liu Kang and Kang and Gang sounds? Oh, yeah. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Hobo Kang. Rock realizes, oh, no, the families are trying to interact and take my disciples here. And he, he realizes, he decides then that this tiny apartment here in Thetford Mines is no longer ideal to maintain his control over these people. Needed to segregate them from outside influences. Yeah. Isolation is key to a successful cult. We don't know if at this point in time Rock is aware that he's getting ready to make a cult. I believe he does. And he starts making plans to get out of Thetford Mines, get them away from their families. In October of 1977, he moves his group 35 miles away from Thetford Mines to a small little house in another town called Saint-Marie, also in Quebec, which had a population at the time of about 9,000 people. Wow. That's a very small town. Yeah. Now, here in Saint-Marie, uh, the group sets up a storefront called, and I am not French-Canadian. No, it's not. No, you're fine. It's it's storefront. That's how they say it. They don't, like, say storefront. Uh, but the storefront was called... Clinique Vevray en Santé, which translates to Healthy Living Clinic. Slayed it. Healthy Living Clinic. And here at the Healthy Living Clinic there in St. Marie, uh, the group runs more stop-smoking seminars, more of the same, and they also continue to offer detoxification courses in several cities across the province of Quebec. Now, around this time, they've moved here to St. Marie. They pick up another member, a man by the name of Leo Marc Fashur. Leo buys so hard into this group of smelly assholes and Rockterio that he quits his job immediately, quits his job, sells his house, and makes his wife and child join them as well. He goes all in, kind of like me, when I joined 1159 Media. Wow. I quit my job of six years to try to, to, to talk shit on the internet. We did a good job. I was making good money. I had established relationships. I had seniority. And I had a lot of money in tools, thousands of dollars in tools. That's disturbing that we did that. Yeah, that y'all did that to me. And now I am overweight and my blood pressure is high. And I I talk shit into a microphone and a computer all day. I didn't even know we were starting a cult. Yeah, you did. I don't. Yeah, you did. You know what? Actually, translating ro- what what we what's happened with what happened with rock, I I, I can kind of see it 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 grows organically. I think the people that that know they're starting a cult, they can't do it if they know they are until it's too late. Unless you're starting a on a multi level marketing scheme, then you know. But I don't. I never have looked. Until you said the other day, oh, we're starting a cult. Still not sure which one I'm a part of yet. An MLM. It's an MLM. I just haven't hit oh. you with the the downline. <laughs> you have to start bringing in people. Yeah, you actually have a pitch at a cabin for me, you said. And I'm expecting that at that pitch you'll have a board and you'll be like, look, this is you, right? You get three people to sign up. <laughs> and then they get three people to sign up. Exactly. It's going to be good. And after three months, you'll be in a BMW. Yep. Company owned. BMW, and you can travel all over to France, and in France, you get three people to sign up, right? And there, and then those three people, they get three people to sign up. 
Yep. Yeah, we're changing the name of the of the company to Pyramid Productions. You get three people to make a podcast. Oh and then my god! They gosh. get three people to make a podcast. Oh, we did it! We did exactly and then that. They all get they all get ads, and yeah, I know the ads. They're not generating a lot of income, but it's like cents, cents. <laughs> but if you get three people, and then those three people, they make podcasts, and all of them have ads. And even though it's pennies on the dollar, if you have enough people. <laughs> The pennies add up. I got you to do this. Kevin, Aaron, and Anastasia. You did it. Yeah. It doesn't matter if the podcast is shitty. You've just got to qualify them for ads. (laughs) And then those pennies run up up the pyramid to the top. I never said that they were that. We're working on that. Anastasia actually messaged me yesterday. She's like, super big news. I was like, what's that? She's like, I got three new people to start a podcast for 1159 Media. Op told me that if I did that, I would get more listens on our show. <laughs> and I mean it. Anyways, back to the Anhill Kids. Oh, sorry. This is here in St. Marie, Op, where they've moved. This is when things start slowly kind of pivoting from a bunch of crazy Seventh-day Adventist loonies to a full-blown cult, all thanks to Rockteria. Now, seeing as he'd already been isolating them by moving them away from their families, it was time to take it a step further as far as he was concerned. And while here in St. Marie, he starts making his members wear uniforms. And I say uniforms loosely. It's not a not not something that you would wear to, um, say, Apple on your first day of work, if that's what you're picturing. <laughs> if you're picturing 007, like, oh, these were snazzily dressed. No, the purpose of these uniforms was to remove uh, the individuality from all these people as well as separate them from society. So it's... Once again, another form of isolation, another way to remove them from everybody else, make them closer to him as opposed to outside influences. Did we? Oh, there's so much that's ringing true. We have 1159 merch. You have, we, we talked about wearing hoodie capes in public. Uh, oh, no. Pit vipers? Oh, all of it. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go on. I'm just kind of reeling in my fear here of what's been created. Once again, I mean... Any like common 1159 media listener that's bought all in and is wearing the attire really only stands out outside of Alabama. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> now, back to these uniforms. They were all hand-sewn, every one of them by Rock's girlfriend, Giselle. And they consisted of ankle-length tunics and a tunic. I don't know what a tunic is. It's just a form-fitting robe. And this form-fitting robe, ankle-length form-fitting robe, was tied at the waist with a rope, just a basic rope. Um, think of it as a moo-moo. You've seen moo-moos because you live in Kentucky. It's like a moo-moo, but... You're talking about like what? Grandma's cooking. Yeah, but not as... But they're not all 7XL, so... Now, they were color-coded for men and women. The women wore pale green, and the men wear beige. Ooh. Pale green and beige. It's very bland, boring. Actually, it's the colors of a baby diaper. Oh, fun. Like when you open it up. Just both. After they've had. <laughs> That's fun. Rock was the only one that had a different color, but it wasn't exciting either. Dark brown. Ew. So the <laughs> uniforms, beige, pale green, and the one that the only one that was dark brown was Rock. I think Kanye actually sells these tunics now, very similar, for around $3,000 each. <laughs> Rock also made the women throw out their brawls. He told them that they were a, quote, tool of the establishment. 
Wow. Unquote. Which is also very, very L.A. and Portland. (laughs) I can't really decide if these are just inbred hillbillies or pretentious urban hipsters. I, I, I th- it's so close. The two, it's it's like, which is it? They're, yes, pick the a side. Yes, I think yes. And I didn't realize how closely those two groups were related until now. <laughs> they would really get along if they could set aside their political differences. <laughs> it's true. He also made any member that wore glasses throw them out, get rid of the glasses. Said that they were quote a technological crutch, and he claimed he could cure their vision with with a holistic diet of his making. Oh no! So he can he can cure all their vision problems. He's just got to mix some bird shit and probably some mud and a few beans and a brick of tofu. He'll fix their vision. Uh, fun fact: to the surprise of probably everybody, he never fixed their vision. <laughs> they never got better, even with his diets. Didn't help them. Nobody said anything, though. They just kept running into walls and being like, oh, yeah, I love my new vision. And Rock was like, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't mean your eyes. You notice how acute your sense of smell is now? <laughs> it's because of my diet. He was one of the first people to get a copy of Daredevil. So he knew what was going to happen. Around this time, all of the younger people that's with this, I'm going to start saying cult because okay. that's what – I'm just going to start saying cult. We're not in full-blown cult territory yet, but we're, we're close enough, and it makes it easier. All the, all the younger people in this cult, they are completely done with any kind of outside, any out, outside influences, outside education, and they are now following Rogue Terrio to the very end. They have devote, they're all in on this, and Jacques Jaguer and his wife Maurice, they follow in Leo Mark Foster's footsteps, the guy that I was telling you about earlier that sold everything, quit his job. They also sell their home. They had a home, as well as everything that they own. Wow. And uh, and move in with Rock full-time. And keep in mind that Maurice, she didn't even want to be here still. Actually, you know what? Keep in mind, at no point in this whole story does Maurice want to be here. I keep selling this like she has a moment where she pivots and she's like, I was wrong the whole time. No, she's like... Sitting back with her arms crossed. She hates Rock Terrio. She's always hated him. Watching these people stumble around because they can't see and eating bean curd casserole and wearing tunics. And she's in this itchy, stupid fucking tunic, too. And she hates it because her titties keep falling out of the side because he won't even let her wear a bra. She hates all of this. But she loves her husband, clearly, quite a bit. Because I think... My wife would probably leave me if I tried to make her go to Ikea. <laughs> Cult? Forget about it. Even if I just had like a weird period, there would never be a point in, in our entire relationship. 60 years down the road, you'll never hear my wife say, you remember that time you got us to sell everything we owned and join the cult? <laughs> that was a crazy couple of years, wasn't it? Relationships have ups and downs. Meanwhile, if you remember Pastor Zeta from episode one up, uh, remember the Seventh-day Adventist preacher? Yes. That kind of got rock into all of this? Yeah. The guy from the legitimate Seventh-day Adventist church? Yeah. He begins noticing that the followers of followers of Rock Terrio are more interested in whatever Rock has to say than anything about the Seventh-day Adventist church. And simultaneously at this time while Pastor Zeta's reading the, while Pastor Zeta's catching on to this, Rock's girlfriend, Giselle, is also beginning to get jealous because all these hussies are drooling over her man and flirting with him and all this. And they were probably flirting with him, if we're being honest, because his 
dickhead was hanging out the bottom of his dirty brown tunic. <laughs> Even though they're ankle length. January 1978. Rock agrees to marry his longtime girlfriend, Giselle LaFranc, in the Seventh-day Adventist church in Montreal, basically op, in order to get her to shut up and make her less jealous and to keep her in the group, to keep her under his control. It's a hush marriage. That's what it is. And to let you know how little his girlfriend Giselle meant to him on the ride back to St. Marie from the uh, the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Montreal, Rock sat in the heated cab of the truck with Nicole and Solange and laughed and joked and had a good time. But he made Giselle sit in the bed of the truck in the middle of January in Canada with the wind whipping around her in sub-zero temperatures. By the time they got back to St. Marie, she probably looked something like Jack Nicholson at the end of The Shining. Um, but she was married, so good for her. Wow. He did have a big dick. He had a big old dick. Good for her. In reality, Giselle doesn't mean shit to Rock Terrio. Yeah, unfortunately. I think you're right. We are now at March of 1978 up. March of 1978, two months after the marriage. A woman by the name of Geraldine Auclair, who was a leukemia patient, joins the Healthy Living Clinic, quote, unquote, cult, after her husband persuades Rock Terrio to take her in. He, he, he says the, meta, the, the, the treatments aren't, aren't helping her leukemia, and he believes Rock can help her. And on Rock's advice, he says, you got to stop these medical treatments immediately. Stop all this science immediately. What you need, Geraldine, is grape juice and other natural products that I just so happen to sell. So grape juice was the cure. The problem was all this medicine and science. What are these tubes? You don't need these long, flexible straws. Get them out. You need grape juice. That'll cure the cancers. That'll get the cancer out of your loins and your tits and your armpits. Gets all grape juice. Cures the cancers. She died two weeks later. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. And I, even with all the grape juice. What? That's crazy. Yeah, all the grape juice. Two weeks later, she died. Uh, and he even, I mean, like I said, he took the long, flexible straws that they had hooked up to her wrist for some reason, all that sciencey bullshit. Started force feeding her grape juice. She still died in two weeks. I don't understand. Doesn't make sense. No. I have a question for you. What? Do I need to be here? I'm wondering, like I sit here and I'm like, oh no, I'm that guy, I'm that one, I'm the co-host that's just like, huh, oh yeah, huh, oh no, huh, what? And I was just listening. I think I am kind of railroading you today though, in particular because of how much information we have to cover. I know, but I'm also wondering, I'm like, I'm listening to you and I was like, what if I wasn't here and I'm just listening to this as a podcast and I was like. I think he could do it. I I think that I am not necessary. Are you backing out of TCK? No. Is that what's happening right now? <laughs> no. Are we going to do that? At least wait till the end of episode of part three. <laughs> you do part three. You can't drop out after how many episodes? Have, I don't even know how many episodes we are in now, but I know you can't drop out in the middle of a three-part series. That's going to throw the whole vibe off this Okay, I won't. I won't. But I think you could do it on your own. It's all I'm saying. I have. I have that much. Comp- I'm sure actually- you have the outline in front of you. <laughs> That's what's fucked up about this. Is you're literally a lot of people. You know. You know how 
a lot of true crime podcasts, there's the guy that does your role in this, which is to go, oh, wow, full body chills. <laughs> yeah. Like that kind of shit. Yeah. That's your job in this. But the difference in this and all those other podcasts is you genuinely don't know any of this information. Right. I do. You haven't been researching. You haven't had anything to do with the outline. You've been playing video games and writing 911 calls and doing the daily show. You don't know anything about the annual kid. So you're genuinely learning this. But you could be reading ahead of me and like, <laughs> here's an interesting talking point. But you don't do that. You just go. And also, by the way, I don't even think you're really listening. I think you're playing a video game. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Geraldine O'Claire, like I said, she dies a few weeks later. The grape juice uh, doesn't help her cancers. And Rock did claim that he had to spend a moment with her corpse. And he said that after she died, he had kissed her. And she briefly came back to life because of his kiss. But she was far too gone. She'd been dead far too long for his powers to keep her alive. So she jutted alive for a minute and then died again. Kind of like when you you ever tried to plug your, you like really need something on your phone, but it's flatline dead. Yeah. And you plug it in, you try to turn it on, but the second you try to unlock it, it dies again. Yeah. On the boot up. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, that's what happened here. Ugh. He just didn't have enough juice in him. She had been she was too far gone. She lit up for just a minute and then died again, according to Rock. And I don't I don't even think that I don't think that's true. I don't think that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to be judgmental. So thanks. Good talk, Rock. Op. I mean Oh, uh, what's the matter? Fuck it. Hey, guy, guy that reacts. Hey, good talk. Oh, fun times. A month after Geraldine O'Claire's death, Pastor Zeta notices that none of the money from all these stop smoking programs and seminars and potlucks and pot fucks are making it back to the church. Wow. None of this money is funneling back to the church like it's supposed to. And then Pastor Zita teams up with a bunch of seven-day Adventist pastors, and they get together and decide Rock's got to go. And in April of 1978, Op Rock Terrio is expelled from the Seventh-day Adventist church, which is really the only tether holding him back from full-blown cult at this point, and it is now gone. Oof. He's, he's like basically they just gave him the ticket, the, the key to the kingdom. Because at least up until this point, he was semi-tethered to the church. Yeah. Right. So it was he wasn't free-falling. Right. But now there's no rules. The rules are whatever he says they are. And at this point, it seems like, like I was saying, Good sometimes job. you don't know you're, you're getting into a cult. Things. But in yeah. this case, I think what when you said that he, he said that he kissed her and brought her back to life for a minute— at that point, I was like, "Okay, he's fully drank. He 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 manufactured and drank his own Kool Aid. Like he he believes grape juice, grape juice. Yeah, because he he believes he's got this power now. Like that's that's a scary moment right there. That's the thing is, I don't think at any point in all of this, at any point, did Rock genuinely believe that. But he but he said it, and he knows that if he says it, there's somebody out there that's going to believe it. Which that yeah, it's not about he, he. This isn't a schizophrenic. No, right? he he doesn't believe these things. It's it, it's getting other people to believe them. Yeah, it's all manipulation. And when when you have the confidence that you know that there's even one soul out there that's going to believe you implicitly, that's a sign that you're now a cult leader. Either that or a psychic. Or <laughs> don't. 
Don't you be, don't you be messing with my Jessica McNamee. She knows. Jessica, she never claimed she was a socket. She did. I'm talking about these snake oil salesmen and women on TV. They're like, I can talk to the dad. No, you can't. Rock then begins making people within the cult. Like I said, he's no longer tethered to the church. He begins making people within the cult get married. He he decides who gets married, by the way. Oh. So this is like some kind of fucked up version of Cupid, despite the fact that the men and women here he pairs with had absolutely no interest in each other. Yeah. He makes Jacques Facette marry Nicole Ruel. He makes Claude Ouellette uh, hitch his wagon to Solange Boulard. Rock officiated this double wedding and went on and on throughout the ceremony about how women are supposed to serve men. Solange's parents actually showed up to the wedding and then cried throughout the whole damn thing out of sadness and despair. Wow. They later said that afterwards, at the reception, they were served a vegetarian meal that looked like mud. Oh. And I'm sure that made them feel better about their daughter uh, being hitched to somebody that she doesn't really know being served mud. Yeah. Maybe everything will be okay. She just joined a cult. She doesn't know this guy. This dude's the leader here. His dick's hanging out the bottom of his dark brown shitty tunic. Maybe everything will be all right because this mud is delicious. Yeah. Best mud I've ever eaten. That's what they said. Uh, May 1978. Op. Of course. Giselle is now pregnant. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Uh, Eisenhower, obviously. The Ike. Good old. Yeah. The Ike. Good old Ike. Remember the Ike? One dollar regular strike. Oh, man. One dollar regular strike. Designed by Frank Gaspar. You remember Michael Collins and James Cooper? Yep, like worth that, over nine dollars. That one dollar, that, 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 that one, that one design required three designers for it. Obviously, the edges readed like the rest of most of the U.S. currency. Yeah, it's not even a lot of designers. I can't even believe that the, the top price that it went, I mean, I know everybody, I know you're all like, yeah, yeah, we know, top price. Well, how much was it? Three thousand and four dollars. My goodness, that's enough to buy a used Honda. I, I know. I was, I was as amazed. But Our we one all know Kanye tunic. We all know what's. We all know about that. I'm sorry. Again, I I was just. just 1971 though the Ike. That's 71. Who would have remembered? Ike on a bike. What was the eagle on the back doing landing on the moon, though? That's one thing I don't understand. Never understood that. Would have been made more sense if, like, Ike was on the moon. Still going. 72 was a good... Un- irrelevant. Hmm. So we're in 78 now. Oh. May 1978, to be exact. Oh. May 1978. Up. Giselle is now pregnant with Rock's baby. Now, this is his wife that had to ride back in the back of that truck and... And I'm thinking this episode might be shit. <laughs> Giselle is now pregnant with Rock's baby, and the flirting with Rock and the other girls hasn't slowed down one bit. So she's got a belly. All the other chicks here in this cult, they're flirting with Rock. Furthermore, he's still making Giselle, despite her pregnancy, her job is to clean up after everybody, and he and she's basically the cult slave. Rock was riding in the back of a lot of girls' trucks. Yeah, but I mean that doesn't even he wasn't even riding them. He was in the cab. Oh no. No way. But the way I said it makes it sound like sex. You are. What is on? What has gotten into you? <laughs> I'll tell you what. Perk Energy Drink comes in many flavors. You want, you take it. starting to take blue chews. 
I loved that show. We need to get them to sponsor Sam us. Sam 2.0 was always watching that show. That's not a show. We just got a letter. We just oh. got a letter. <laughs> just got. Now, Blue Chews. Wonder, the dick pill. Wonder who the f- it was from. Bitch. <laughs> Giselle, like I said, she's pregnant now. Everybody's flirting with rock. She's having to clean up after all these assholes. She threatens to leave. I, I said that with a giggle. <laughs> And then I realized not the best way to deliver that. Let me. She threatens to leave. And then despite her being pregnant, Rock punches her in the mouth as hard as he can, busts her nose, swells her lips up and bloodies her face, then drags her by her hair into their bedroom, locks the door and won't and doesn't allow her to leave for two days. I believe uh, what's interesting is you said all and although she was pregnant, you can't hurt a baby by punching a lady in the teeth. And that's an odd that's an odd stance, but it is a stance. That is a that is a heel an anthill to die on. Yeah. It's like throwing in the But I mean I guess true. Hot you cannot hurt the baby by punching the mother in the face. Yeah, like like if you came from that upper angle and like really like two stories up and came right down on her and punched her right through her face, she was like looked up and she's like, Oh no nah! and her mouth was open like ah right as you punched her from two stories up, you might affect the baby. But if it's just ground How? level and you're just coming at her with a jab How would that affect the baby? Huh? Cause she would fall the two stories? No, no, you're cu- you jump from two stories down and then just fist punch her right through her face as she looks up and goes and her mouth is open like ah and you punch her right through her teeth and you've got the force of two story fall a two story fall behind your fist you probably hurt the baby but just a regular yeah. jab at ground level doubt it but it was at ground level yeah so we're making a big hoobla over nothing yeah i don't even know why you got off on that so let's move on i didn't by early July of 1978, Rock evaluated their current situation here. So they're still in this little house. The death of Geraldine Eau if you remember the leukemia patient that he pumped full of fucking grape juice. Her death hadn't actually put them in good standing there in that community. And they weren't super welcome anymore. People weren't opening their arms to them anymore. So ironically, Op, keep that in mind now that the group, they're not welcome in this community anymore. This is ironically when Rock has a prediction. And on July 6th of 1978, Terrio predicted the end of the world to be February 17th, 1979, seven months away. And because the end of the world is seven months away, they need to get out of town. They need to move. Oh, no. All right. He told his members that they would be responsible for rebuilding society after the world ended and that he was to be God's personal messenger. And since all these people were with him, they would be safe. He told them that the entire world is evil. All of those outside of this specific group will be lost in Judgment Day. And if they wanted to survive Judgment Day, they wanted to be part of the rebuilding of God's people. Following him was the only way to survive. I feel like there might be more ways, but okay. Yeah, the, the the other way to survive was to just continue doing whatever you were doing outside of the normal world until you die of like cancer or old age 60 years from now. Yeah, that also might make you get, get you through. Now, Rock also op instructed his followers to contact all their families and to threaten them that they were going to formally sever all ties with them if they didn't accept Rock Terrio and his prediction of the impending apocalypse. 
So they, they, they're to call their families and be like, listen, you can either join us or I'm severing all ties. This is kind of like a reverse intervention, if you think about it, <laughs> which would be a fun episode. Imagine an episode of Intervention where a bunch of crackheads pull an unsuspected concerned mother into a motel conference room and give her an ultimatum. <laughs> like she has to start drugs. Are they going to formally sever all ties? <laughs> we cannot continue to watch you flourish and thrive, mother. It's killing us inside. Do the heroin. We've arranged a nice facility in Compton. <laughs> it's a rundown crack house. It's a three-week program. We'll start you off slowly. <laughs> By the end of the three months, you should be completely on heroin. <laughs> They're crying as they read a letter. There's nothing on the letter. They're hallucinating. Uh. So, yeah, it's an intervention with their families. Join the cult or we're severing all ties. And the and all the families, most of them, actually, almost all, were like, oh, I think we'll just continue being normal. <laughs> I don't think the Judgment Day's coming. I don't think that smelly guy in the dark brown tunic with his pecker flopping everywhere, <laughs> I don't think he knows when the world's going to end. He eats too much tofu to know that kind of thing. And he's always shitting water. Because if you remember, he has dumping syndrome. Yes, he does. Permanent case of diarrhea. The back of that tunic was always wet. That's probably why he chose dark brown for his tunic. On the early morning of July 9th, 1978, this is three days after Rock got his vision of the end of the world. Mm -hmm. The group here, consisting of Rock, Giselle, six men, 12 women, four children, they make an eight-hour drive. To what seems to be a random town that he picked called Hope, Quebec. Sounds they then ditch their vehicles up on the side of the road, the whole group, and they set out on foot from a small village in Hope called St. Jogues. They walk on foot 13 miles over the next two days in the middle of the Canadian wilderness. Keep in mind, Giselle is still pregnant at this point. Did you say St. Jogues? St. Jogues. Like a G in there? J-O-G-U-E-S. Okay. Jogues. That sounds like a French name. I mean, realistically, it's probably St. Hoax. <clears throat> yeah. But I'm from the South, and we don't respect other cultures. St. <laughs> Hoax, because they hate saying letters up there the way they, they're supposed to look. Yeah. They really fucking hate it. Everything is silent. <laughs> Everything is silent. Most of the language actually is, isn't just pauses, and that's a word. So they set out on foot from this town, St. Hoax, and they walk 13 miles over the next two days. And like I said, Giselle, she's pregnant. Rock doesn't give a fuck. On July 11th, 1978, they reached the foot of a mountain there in Gasp, Quebec. Gaspy? Gaspa? Gasp? Goose? Yep. Gustapa? Yeah. Gasp, Quebec. Mm -hmm. Rock looked at this mountain and because he's the Messiah, right, he just looked at it and he said, ah, oh, this mountain's called, quote, Mount the Eternal, mm -hmm. unquote, which stands Eternal Mountain. This mountain's called Eternal Mountain. He thinks he has that power. I'm, I'm calling this Eternal Mountain, and that's what it was called. It wasn't, by the way. Um, and, I, and speaking of, I hate to keep making comparisons between rock and op, but I believe you did this to your family on a trip once. Yeah, I did. I, I accidentally named a mountain the wrong Mountain. And then refused to back down. <laughs> Even in the face of being proven wrong. It's pretty true. 
I don't even know what the. I don't even know what's happening right now. I'm just making comparisons, is all. Now, the closest town from the base of Eternal Mountain was called New Carlisle, Quebec, and it was a four hour walk just to get to a road what? to get to the town of New Carlisle. Wow. That's just to get to the road that gets to the town. Four hour walk. But. Despite all this, this this is an ideal location for a cult because there's no outside influence. Rock, like I said, names the base, names this names this eternal mountain, says they're going to set up camp. They're going to set out their commune at the base of this mountain, and this is where they, they are to set up and live and wait for the apocalypse. Wow. All right. July 12th, 1978. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm wow. torn. Now I'm torn. So, I don't know what you to st- say. Sometimes you sound like Christopher Walken. <laughs> You don't even do it on purpose. <laughs> wow. Wow. Can't believe these I got a, people. Yeah. What do they bring out the cowbell? <laughs> that was the worst, Christopher. I, I can't do it. I can't I'm not good at impressions. I can't do a Christopher Walken one either. So the next morning up, they set up here. They finally found their spot after walking 13 miles through the wilderness. The next morning, it's July 12th, 1978, 5 a.m., everybody's work wo- woken up. And they are to begin work on their new compound. This will be the schedule for the next month. 5 a.m. wake-up call. No breakfast. Uh, their days are long and spent cutting trees, digging wells, digging trenches, notching logs, clearing foliage, hauling off huge rocks, etc. It was long, grueling work for everybody up. Of course, except who? Rock. Oh, you nailed it. Are you reading the outline? Yep. I'm back Are on. Are you reading ahead? Back on. Rock. Yes. Everybody except Rock. And then there was also a new convert named Gabrielle Nadeau. She wasn't required to do any of this either because she had been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Shout out to Tracy. <laughs> wow. And Gabrielle had decided. <laughs> <laughs> wow. My goodness, you can't just, you can't do that. You can't, it's not how you use shout outs. <laughs> I don't understand things. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Tracy's the best. She'll laugh. Her. She'll laugh. Okay. <laughs> I don't understand. How do shout outs work? I have, a, I have a tutorial. I'll send you later. So <laughs> that's not <laughs> all right. Ugh. Gabriel Nadeau had been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and had decided that joining this cult was best for her health. Not the medicine, not taking medications, not watching her diet, not exercising like she probably should have been doing. All the typical things uh, that MS. And by the way, MS very. For most people, very controllable. Most people, a lot of people live a long, healthy life, die of old age before MS even has any kind of symptoms or anything. It's kind of a, the dealer's, what am I trying to say here? Dealer's choice of diseases. But the definitely, no matter how how good or bleak your future is looking with your MS diagnosis, I think we can all agree that just dropping all of the science and just 
living with smelly people without hygiene in the middle of nowhere is probably not the best way to handle your MS. Probably not going to work at all, actually. Yeah. She just spent her days up here lying in a tent in the in the either blistering heat or rigid frigid cold and being miserable instead of like I said, you know, taking her meds and watching her diet and exercise. Yeah. So everybody but um Gabriel Nado and Rock are are working their asses off on very little food. Um like I said, Rocky just barks orders from the sidelines from the shade underneath a tree. And occasionally would complain about his tummy aches because of his dumping syndrome. Oh. Poor guy. He's a big, whiny fucking bitch, <sighs> Rock Terrio is. So Rock would just lay there, watch all those followers work. And it's here, Op, that he notices that they all look like little ants building a colony. And this is where we get the name Anthill Kids. No, that's where, he pegs. Huh? Yeah, anthill kids. He said it looked like little ants building an anthill, a colony, and that's when he pegged them with the name anthill kids, and that's where it comes from. Very, very not very interesting, or it's very literal. Yeah, not a not a big fancy fun story behind how they got that name. They looked like ants. He said, "Oh, they look like ants building an anthill. Oh, they're the anthill kids." The end. That's how it. And everybody fucking died. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Oh, wow. Now, to be 100% fair, all these people are working their asses off here building this commune, uh, all this. To be 100% fair, I did do some digging. I was curious about the temperatures in Gaspe, Quebec in July, and I did discover that around at about this time uh, in this year, uh, it would have been about 65 degrees, and the humidity never exceeded 4%. So that really is, I would say, I would argue ideal temperatures for hard work like this. Yeah, uh, very dry and very comfortable, sixty-five degrees. Um, especially considering everybody here is young to youngish. Yeah, yeah. Not you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna force people to work, that's a those are pretty good temperatures. But, but like I alluded to a minute ago, Rock controlled the rations op, and rations were limited. For everybody except Rock, of course, he got what he needed. His feel. I mean, he had been laying his fat shit-covered ass in the shade all day. Wow. He needed his, his energy. So if anybody at any time during these long days of intense labor gave Rock even so much as a nodding disagreement of anything that he said, he would limit their rations even further at dinner that night. Rations that were, by the way, already like scarce. So they would wake up at 5 a.m. There was no breakfast. There was a very small lunch and then a, a a small dinner, and if they pissed him off in the least bit, their rations at dinner were cut in half. Meanwhile, he's eating like a king. Sounds like sounds like North Korea. Yeah, yeah. Actually, this whole thing is kind of a big euphemism for North Korea. Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to say that because I didn't want to sound like you know I was using very common words like patriarch and stuff. But it does sound like it. Go ahead and bring up Nazis. Go ahead and check all the boxes. This is literally like Hitler. Literally. This is problematic. Full body chills. You got to really pop the voice. Full body chills. Oh, my God. I can't believe fucking 
patriarchy. <laughs> Full body chill. <laughs> Another thing to keep in mind, you're probably thinking, well, they're working their asses off. They're not getting any food, but they're probably going to bed early and getting sleep, right? Yeah, naturally. Well, you're fucking wrong, no, you I, dumb bitch. Dang it. <laughs> oh. I came a little hard there. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll pump the brakes. No, they didn't get to sleep either because Rock was keeping them awake all throughout the night, giving ranting and raving speeches about his visions from God and religious beliefs and whatnot and this and that and all that bullshit. So not only were the workers there hungry, they were also tired because of the sleep deprivation. Oh. And Rock did this intentionally. It was a way to break them mentally as well as physically. He would preach on and on about the evil of society in the outside world and how it was all controlled by the devil and that the only safe place on earth was here with him on a commune that they were building. By the way, here's another fun fact, if you didn't hate this guy enough, Rock would make up for his long night speeches, and because he's also not sleeping at night as well, right? He would sleep under a tree while everybody else worked. So that's good. He needed his strength, needed his sleep, so he could keep everybody awake at night about his telling them everything that he feels about everything they needed to know, his thoughts on everything. I don't want to put – he sounds a little like Kanye. Literally a fucking Nazi. <laughs> but Literally. Literally. <laughs> The only difference between this guy and Kanye <laughs> do people I don't think anybody follows Kanye. But no, uh, Kanye has fans. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He still What's interesting is over the past 10 years Kanye's fan base has has shifted from dramatically liberal to dramatically conservative. Yeah. And I don't know anybody else that's ever done that in history. It's very impressive. Yeah. Hitler did it. <laughs> Full body chills. Uh, He's not literally Hitler. Literally means is, like without any kind of exaggeration. That's a good point. Why do they use literally so much? <laughs> good point. Anyway, September 15th, 1978. Rock he christens his members with new Bible names up. To, 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 like, mark their new beginning here at Mount Eternal, Eternal Mountain, as it were. Yeah. Now, all these names that he chose for these members are from the Old Testament, and the goal here, silently for Rock, was to further break them away from their individual identities. Yeah. He's trying to leave their... The, <laughs> you threw me off with that one yes. Sorry. Like, just, just fucking... To... It was like a left hook, <laughs> and I just stumbled for a minute, and I got rubber legs... He's trying to break them away from their past life. They're new people, and they're his people now. They're his property. And by giving them these new names, it's it's shackling under the guise of unshackling. Which is actually, uh, it's a, that, um, they call, well... After World War II, they called it denazification, but they had to do this with people. A lot of people that are in cults, this is a, this is a, 
a very textbook tactic. They they strip they textbook. Break, yeah, they break you down, and then they rebuild you, even renaming you, and you seem to just ascribe the new identity. Hug dealers. You know the. <laughs> So he changes their names. Rock also starts picking apart the physical appearance of the female members in the group in an attempt to further, like they didn't already have low enough self-esteem, trying to really bottom out their self-esteem. We're, we're going to try to get that as low as possible so they're more easily manipulated and feeling terrible about themselves. For example, he starts picking on member France Laflamme, uh-huh. who was, by the way, underweight and malnourished from the long days of work, no sleep, and limited food. By telling her she's extremely overweight. He calls her fat. And to add insult to injury to all this, all the picking at her, this very skinny woman, he picks her Old Testament name. He went with Hogla. Ooh. Yeah, to remind her that she looks like a pig. And uh, that sounds like a Power Rangers villain, Hogla, but that's a name from the Old Testament. And he did that intentionally. If it was Hogla Kang, then it would be the final boss in Mortal Kombat again. Now, after this name change of all the members, the group also changes their name to, quote, the Holy Moses Mountain Family. And the members begin to address Terry Alt by his new Old Testament name, one that he chose, of course, Moses. Huh, creative. So Rock Terrio is now to the members Moses. And now we're going to go back. A little bit back to uh, Leo Mark Falsherop. You remember him, the guy that went all in and quit his job and sold his house? He went all in from the get-go? Yes. This is when Leo Mark Falsher drops out of the group because he thought the name thing was weird, and he bounced. That's where he bounced. Oh, the name, the naming's what got That's it. where it got weird. It wasn't the mountains of tofu casserole and pea soup, not the doomsday predictions and the mass exodus to no-name mountain, not the fake medical remedies and the lack of hygiene. It was like, you want to change my name? Ah, that's kind of weird, bro. I'll bet it wasn't that. I'll bet it wasn't the fact that he was name changing people. I'll bet it was the name that he was given. Like he probably got like Juju B or or Flip Jack. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, I don't like it. And they're like, Well, that's your name. Like it or get out. And he's like, I'm out. Juju-B. He was an anti semite. Yeah, that's a little. He wasn't an anti semite. No. This guy's a victim of this whole thing. He's a victim of the whole thing. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, Poor now, Rock TV. used Leo Mark Foster's leaving the group as an opportunity to the remaining members and told them that if that Leo left because the devil had gotten to him from the outside. Probably not. Yeah. The outside world was completely controlled by the devil, and they all needed to stay as, stay as far away from it as possible. But if you don't follow him to a T, it can still get you even in here. Oh, that sounds like every religion ever made, but also every political party ever made also every school oh my goodness we've used this one a lot <laughs> it sounds like a lot of things yeah yeah october of 1978 rock's wife giselle reveals to him one night that she had been talking with the women there on the commune op and they are all very lonely and that they need men mm, eh. I'm, I'm excited for you to, I'm, I'm wondering if you can figure out where this is going now, Giselle, she said, we need to get more men here so that they can have a relationship with men. The women are lonely, but Rock is like, he's a leader op. Yeah. And he takes it on himself. He he buries the burden. 
He says, I'll sleep with him. Sure. I'll, I'll, yeah, he buries that burden. He has to carry that burden as the leader of the commune and as the messenger of God. He has to stop this loneliness with his cock. He has, and if anybody has to fall on that spear, it should be him. He's like, ladies, all you have to start carrying this burden, and I'll start burying this burden. Yeah. By burden He's been carrying that burden, which was his cock, since he was, it was like nine pounds. Oof. But, uh, I mean, yeah, if anybody has to fall on this spear, it should be him. Or he them. has to fuck all these women. He doesn't want to. No. And that's a true leader. You know, one that puts others' needs in front of their own. I think it's time that I tell you about a new technology that I've I bought off Amazon that really seems to be working. Yeah, this is ideal. Or headphone, these headphones I'm wearing, they're swear canceling headphones. This is brilliant. I haven't heard one swear this whole time. You also have there's software that comes with it where you can replace the swears with words that you do like. So like I, what? Every time when you, I say fuck, what do you hear? Oh, I just every time you say baptism, try another one. I'm really going to mess you up now. Try. I've, I've added them all. I'm tired of baptism around with you. What? How did I get through? I just heard the F word. These are broken. We're made in South Korea. Made in North Korea. Ah, that's called a loophole. Dang it. All right. Oh. The baptism. I, ah, I dare you start <laughs> using that tactic on me. <laughs> oh, no. Don't do it, Kent. Don't stop swearing and using religious terms. Just don't. <laughs> so Rock is fucking all these women uh, to try to cure the their loneliness. He's baptizing all these ah! women with his cock. <laughs> sacrament bread. He's baptizing all these women with his ah! sacrament bread. Ah! Okay. And he, he took on this burden. He also deserves all the marriages that he had formerly anointed up, that he had anointed, by the way, illegally. He hadn't married anybody because it doesn't have that power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he did that so that he wouldn't technically be banging anybody's wife. Oh. And just so everybody felt comfortable with the whole situation up, he declared all of these women his wives now. That's convenient. Yeah, so they're all his wives. And this is something, this is odd for a cult, right? Where the leader starts fucking all the women? Yeah, pretty rare. This isn't right out of a textbook. No. Cults 101. Did Hitler do that? I don't know. I don't think Hitler, I think, I don't think, maybe, Hitler had a micro penis. He might so have, it was unlikely. There might have been homosex. That's not me being funny. That's true. He had a micro penis. Yeah. Homosex, maybe. I wonder. <coughs> I should look it up. I'm not going to look it up. Now, up, I said that he married all these women. He made them his wives. There was one exception. Who do you think that was? The guy that had just left. Not the guy that had just left. It was Maurice Grenier, the woman who was still there because she had been dragged there by her husband. Oh, yeah. She was still pretty pissed at him over the whole joining the cult thing and then dragging him to the base of Mount Eternal. So she wasn't about to have sex with Rock. She was not about. She hated Rock Terrio from the beginning all the way to the end. But stuck with her husband. This woman is a fucking ride or die. Yeah. Ride or die. This is ride or die. Baptizing, ride or die. Now, Rock Rock claims, he tells all the members that this was all Giselle's idea. His his responsibility to bear this burden of fucking all the women. He says it's Giselle's idea. And when Giselle finds out that this is what he's telling everybody, she confronts him. She had never confronted him about anything. 
And this infuriates Rock. The second she brings it up, he begins choking her, chokes her all the way to the ground by her throat, straddles her on his knees, gets in her face and says, quote, my name is Moses and I am your master. You will obey me. If you don't do what I tell you, the Lord will crush your skull. Unquote. I'm going to say not a good look for a cult leader. <sighs> He's not a cult leader, Op. This is Moses. He's the leader oh, of the people that are going to survive the judgment day. Yeah. Good point. He's fucking all these women because it's his responsibility as the leader. He doesn't want to do this. Yeah, he doesn't. Sacrifice. He's sacrificing himself for the greater good. He's throwing that hog log around like it's going out of style. <laughs> to everybody probably except except for Hogla. Yeah. November 18th, 1978. This is a pretty big day in history, historically. That works. This is when the tragedy of Jonestown starts hitting the newspapers up. Jim Jones in Jonestown. Yeah. Journalists all around in, there in the area, the Gatsby area, start drawing comparisons between Jim Jones and Rock Terrio and start referring to the uh, the group here at the base of Mount Eternal as a cult. This is when they start getting tagged with that word, cult. Mm. Jonestown really put a spotlight on them. Um, and the family of the cult members also start really causing a ruckus after Jonestown because it freaked them the fuck out. And all the members of Eternal Mountain are then required by police to be checked out by psychiatrist Rock included. Now, this is the first time they've really had people interfere, right? Yeah. This is when things for Rock, actually, it looks like things might be coming unglued. However, they were all found to be there of their own free will. And although the psychiatrist that examined Rock said he had a tendency for schizophrenic hallucinations, he was very likable and charming. The psychiatrist even began referring to Rock as Moses because he liked him so goddamn much. What? <laughs> Hang on. How? How? Did... That is amazing. I, as somebody, that's impressive. I'm. I don't right. Know, that's impressive. I, I. I almost said as somebody who, who wants to generate a following. As somebody who was manipul also manipulative, I mean, as oh. also as somebody who wants friends, I mean, a business owner. <laughs> I was just impressed. He literally flipped the script on this uh, on the psychiatrist on a psychiatrist. Wow, that's impressive. Hard to do, and he did it. He I'm does this several times to officials. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. Now, like I said, everybody's evaluated. They're all deemed to be, for the most part, mentally healthy. And all are released back to Eternal Mountain. Free to go. How? Clean bill of health. Doesn't seem smart. When they all get back to the commune op, Rock does start bucking the schedules a little bit, though. Uh. Now, they're still allowed to wake at 5 a.m., now, they're still forced awake at 5 a.m. They're still required to continue building, always building, always adding, always improving the commune. But many times throughout the day after this, Rock would get up from his spot there in the shade tree, grab one of the women by the arm, and just pull them to his shitty little smelly hut and make them have sex with him. This started happening several times a day. He would just stretch, 
poop running down the inside of his thigh because of the walk, because of the dumping syndrome. And then he would walk over and just grab one, whether they wanted it or not, and drag them to his hut. It, they were his fuck dolls, basically, as far as he was concerned. He owned them. He could have sex with them when he wanted. Now, some of them loved it and were infatuated and in love with him. Most of them, however, hated it and looked at him with absolute fear. What this is called, this has a word, this is called rape. Yeah. Yep. And he's raping up to four or five times a day, these women. It's his own little like little stable of rape dolls. Yeah, I feel like we've established what it's like. <laughs> I'm guessing so now, we've established prior to this point, you know, like. I said he said he would follow do what? Guessing we have established very thoroughly what it's like because I've just heard a bunch of church words for like two minutes about about it. Church words. He's baptizing all of them. Yeah, he sure is. Ooh. I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> uh, you know, like I said earlier, he said he was gonna he was gonna have sex with him. He's gonna fall on that spear, and up until this point. It was still rape. Yeah, any right? way you look at it. But but it wasn't brazen. Oh, I it don't wasn't, I don't think you can I don't know if you can I don't know if you can split that hair for a listening part. What I mean uh, though is like it wasn't like just so unemotional. What what am I trying to say? I don't know. <laughs> Before it was rape, but it was like kind of wine and dined and they're like, "Oh, he's made him feel comfortable." The best that he, as Rock Terrio would. But at this point, it's no longer at all, and it never really was, but now it's full-blown, not about how they feel at all. Wow. Right, it's yeah. It's like, it doesn't matter anymore. I want to fuck, and you're going to come with me, and then you can go back to work. I okay, yeah. So before it was not consensual, it was deceptive. Not consensual. There a few of them. It was consensual. Okay, a few of them were in love with him, but for the most, I would part, say half deceptive. and half. Yeah, it was deceptive manipulation. But now it's just forced. It's just straight up rape under duress. Yeah. Okay. And then get back to work. By the way, nobody has showered. God knows the last time they showered. If I ever start a cult, that will be a. Uh, there's going to be more showers than bathrooms. I'll put it that yeah. way. There's yeah. going to be for every for every person. It'll be. It, you know what it's going to be? B y o b. Bring your own bath. Bring your own bidet. Oh, bidet, mate! Everyone's going to have one. I've never used a bidet. I've never oh, even seen a bidet. Change your life. Change your life. It'll change your life. I don't like having shit on the back of my balls, so no thank you. No, because no. There's a process. <clears throat> There's you, not. You wipe first, <clears throat> and then you mm -hmm. hit the bidet. Yep. And it, it it thoroughly cleans things, and then you get mm -hmm. you take more toilet paper, and then you, you dry off. And then if you're extra, you'd use like a, uh, like a butt wipe or something just to ensure that everything. Everyone's going to have that process down. It's going to be like a, a lanyard around your neck at my cult. You're gonna if you were to start one. If I were to start one. So within weeks of this new schedule up where he's just grabbing women by the arm and raping them, uh, many of the women were pregnant within weeks. What? what? But 
Even yeah, that's how that works. No, no leniency was given to those that had been impregnated, though, in terms of workload. They were expected to get just as much done as they were prior to being raped into pregnancy. Rock also begins silently talking shit via whispers into the ears of the women uh, about the other women. So he's slowly trying to turn them against each other. And that's a dangerous tactic. Everything we've talked about, bad idea. But that right there, that that could be the undoing of civilizations. Like, well, but for a cult, ideal. Oh. Because now the women don't even have friendships within the cult. Oh. He's making them compete for his attention. He doesn't want them to even be able to uh, communicate with each other because of hatred. Mm. So now, oh wow, ingenious it's all and on terrible, him. all in one. Yeah, and after this, many of the women started writing rock love letters. Wow, that's amazing. January nineteen seventy nine. Uh, in January of seventy nine, three more babies are born on the commune. On the commune, all of them are the offspring of Rock Terrio. February 17th, 1979, the next month. Terrio's prophecy of the end of the world comes and goes, and Judgment Day doesn't happen. If you remember, he had made that prophecy seven months earlier. That's why they had moved to Mount Eternal. He had predicted it would happen in February of 79. It came and gone, and turns out the world didn't end. Now, you would think this would be like a big red warning sign, right? To the Like, maybe something's off here. (laughs) Yeah. You'd think? But let me guess. We'd be wrong. No. You, you would You would be wrong. Okay. You would be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, uh, rock, I keep trying to say, I keep saying op instead of rock. Which I, that's <laughs> weird that you would be doing that. He rationalized this failure to his people when they're, obviously they've got some questions, by proclaiming that God's time works differently from human time. Mm. That, that the way that time passes in heaven is different from the way time passes here on earth. And because of that, his calculations had gotten all jumbled and messed up. That's it had thrown it everything off. Yeah, that's got to be He it. followed this up by telling them all that, it, that what it meant was Armageddon could, was close and it could now come at any moment. Ooh. And staying was even more important than ever now. Sure it was. They bought it. Yeah, they Nobody left. Wow. They were like. Mm. He could be right. Checks out. <laughs> Checks out. Wow. That could be the only explanation. And because anything else would mean Rock is lying. And that can't be possible. I mean Moses. Right. James. <laughs> In March of nineteen seventy nine, the parents of Chantal LeBray once again request another psychological examination of they don't give up. Chantel's parents of their daughter. This is the third time now. Uh, and, and on March 18th of 79, the police descend on Eternal Mountain with a court order for Chantel LeBray, but are refused entry by Terry Oten. They just go, all right, all right, buddy. And then they walk off because that's how the Canadians are. <laughs> you can just go, nope. And then, all right, guy. All right, guy. <laughs> we'll be back, friend. They were back, too, because on April 18th, exactly one month later, April 18th, 1979, uh, Rock is at a local radio station getting interviewed on a radio show and discussing his prophecies with the radio host. They're giving him a platform. Wow. By the way, 
at this time, newspapers loved Rock Terrio. Everybody, like, gave positive. Is a great. This is just a good-hearted mountain man. They're religious. Leave him alone. Everybody took up for him. He had, he had fooled everybody at this point. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So Rock's doing an interview on a local radio show. They're letting him spread his bullshit out into the radio waves. And the police find out about this. So knowing that Rock is distracted at the radio station, they use a 10-man helicopter raid to enforce the court order for Chantel LeBray, whom they forcibly escort to a hospital for psychiatric evaluation. Probably good. Terrio was then apprehended at the radio station where he was being interviewed and brought on trial for obstructing justice in the previous attempt to, uh, to obtain a Chantel. Remember when he was like, you guys can go ahead and go back home, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So they got him for obstructing justice. <laughs> uh, he was found guilty and given a suspended sentence. Um, and on April 27th, 1979, less than a month later, Terrio returns back to the commune, as well as Chantal LeBray, who, by the way, the psychologist once again found to be in good mental health and there under her own free will. Let She's me- also returned. So... Le- let me know when that psychologist joins the cult, because there's just no way. There's no way. I'll, I'll save that for episode three. Okay. It's around this time that Rock also decides, because uh, keep in mind, at this point, they've all lived by these strul, strict rules of vegetarianism, right? Um, no meat, only water, no junk. They're, they're, they're to remain sober, no cigarettes, none of that stuff, right? Right. But it's around this time that Rock decides he's above those strict rules that he has set for everybody else. And he doesn't have to live healthy with everybody else. They still need to, but not him. And he begins eating and drinking whatever the fuck he wants, which include, included huge amounts of Pepsi and potato chips. That was like 80% of his diet. Pepsi and potato chips. He would eat meat. And uh, he also gave up his two years of sobriety and begins getting drunk almost every single day on beer and cognac. Uh. Meanwhile, everybody else is supposed to limit their rations and only eat like beans and dirt and whatever uh, vegans eat. I don't know. Yeah. Oak tree leaves, bark, avocados, grass clippings. Yeah. Kale, lots of kale. Pubic hair. Pubic hair. I, I don't think that's vegan. Might be. You never know. But this is pretty disgusting. He's this fat piece of fucking disgusting. Diarrhea, having shit, laying around, eating potato chips, drinking beer, making these people, and then making them listen to him ramble at nighttime about all his shit. They can't sleep. They can't really eat. They have to work all day while he sits around and scratches his asshole and eats potato chips and gets drunk. It's healthy. It's not healthy. By the way, uh, what do you think? The Do you think the booze uh, quieted down the violent aspect of of Rock Terrio. What do we know booze does traditionally for people that are naturally violent? Uh, it makes them docile and better at everything. Exactly. Usually chills you out. Um, people that are naturally violent, it, it calms them down. I think they actually issue it in marriages where uh, there's domestic violence. They yep. issue Natty Lot. <laughs> that what they, that what it is? Yeah. Uh, no, the booze makes the violence way worse. And during his ranting and raving during the nighttime meetings where they have to stay awake, he begins carrying a large wooden club with him 
And these already annoying rants, by the way, are now fueled by alcohol. You ever, by the way, you ever been held hostage by a drunk? They're like having a conversation that you just don't give a shit about. And you're sober and they're like shit faced. It's the worst thing on earth. I, I have, I can remember one, once, once, maybe twice. It's the worst. When somebody's going on about, you can't even really understand what they're saying because they're slurring so bad. Yeah. And they're in a deep conversation and you're not in a conversation at all. Mm-hmm. And you're just having to entertain. It's it's the now imagine that person is a cult leader. They have a club, and you're terrified of them because you think they're a, a messenger of God. And you've worked all day, and you haven't eaten, and you're exhausted. Recipe for disaster. Yeah. Well, when a member would undoubtedly start dozing off up because of the long day of labor, no food, and no sleep, Rock would beat them senseless with that club. On one occasion, Maurice Grenier, now remember Maurice is the woman that hated Rock. She was only there because of her husband. Yeah, she's still married. She dozed off on one occasion. Okay. Yeah. She dozes off, and he breaks two of her ribs with the club, despite the fact that she was pregnant with her husband's child, not Rock's. Oh. Now that you can preface with, even though she was pregnant, because that could hurt the baby. It could. Yes. And one would argue what we learn later about how he feels with about kids that are of no blood relation to him. Mm -hmm. He may have been trying to do that out of jealousy because he's a jealous little bitch. Yeah. He doesn't like the fact that there's a woman here pregnant with a baby that's not his. He's a little bitch. Yeah. So he was probably realistically trying to kill the baby. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense now. It wasn't just that she fell asleep. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't want somebody there that's a child that is of no relation to him. Right. October of 1979, Gabriel Nadeau, you remember the multiple sclerosis patient that's completely abandoned all of her medicine and everything? Yes. She dies up, despite Moses' spiritual healing methods. Oh, my goodness. It's shocking. Now, her parents come with police and retrieve the body, and this absolutely infuriates Rock. He wanted to bury her at the foot of Eternal Mountain, and he felt that he owned her body because he, she was one of his followers. He literally felt as it was his property. He said it, it, he, he related it to like being stolen, them coming and stealing something. He swore then and there when the police came and the parents took the body that the, next, the body of the next person to die would not be taken away. He said right then and there that the corpse belonged to him, and he was to do with it as he wished. Mm, okay. Probably not, but yep. November of 1979. This is a year after Jonestown now. By now, at this point, there are a lot of children running around the commune. Some had been brought there by their parents. Uh, many had been birthed there and were the offspring of Rock Terrio himself. Um, Rock treated the children, of, as I've already alluded to, the children that, are, that were of no relation to him, absolute shit. Treated them like animals. They were nothing to him. He made them sleep outside on many occasions. He refused to let them be around their parents for more than what was absolutely the bare minimum, what was necessary. And he completely banned any affection towards the children that were of no relation to him whatsoever. So the parents of them weren't allowed to love them, weren't allowed to hug them. There were to be no kisses, no I love yous. It was bare minimum interaction, and and there was to be no affection whatsoever. These kids that weren't of relation to him were basically on their own. Yeah, I feel I feel like again. I don't want to use the, overuse the word textbook, but when a cult gets to this level, you know that it's in the last stages. 
Like, it doesn't... Sus- but it's not. That's what's fucked up here. This is a three-parter. Oh, I forgot. We haven't even got into it yet. No one's died yet. Two people have died. But not mysteriously. Yeah, not like being beaten to death or anything. Yeah, it's been... Not yet, at least. Quote, unquote, natural causes. Right. Um, by the way, Op, those kids that were fathered by Rock were treated better. Uh, they were allowed to live in the main house. Um, they, they were treated much better. They were allowed uh, affection. Um, now, if you remember Maurice Grenier, the pregnant woman who had her ribs broken, the one that had that was pregnant with uh, her husband's son. Yes. Um, little Samuel, that was the child that was in the belly, is now six months old. Six-month-old Samuel, he survived the broken ribs. He was born, and he's now six-month-old little Samuel. One night, six-month-old little Samuel won't stop crying because that's what fucking six-month-old babies do. That's how babies react. That's what they do. They can't say, hey, my stomach hurts. Hey, my nose itches. Hey, I'm thirsty. Hey, I've got shit in my diaper. They cry. (laughs) That's how they react. Uh, He won't stop crying, and Rock can hear it. And as a punishment for the baby crying, Rock made the ba- the mother strip the baby naked. This is a six-month-old baby. Strips it naked, takes it outside, and rolls it around in the snow until it was blue, until his feet and penis were blue and swollen, and it was near death. Wow. This is the tipping point for Maurice Grenier, and this is when she decides she wants to leave. Good time. Good honor. Good time. She's finally. Yeah, she's had enough. I mean, it probably should have happened like over a year. Yeah. Maybe even two years ago. But unfortunately for Maurice, Rock hears that she wants to leave and makes a spectacle of this whole thing. He brings everybody in the commune to the center uh, in an opening, puts Maurice and her husband Jacques in the middle and orders Jacques to cut off one of her toes with an axe in front of the whole group as punishment for her thinking about leaving. So now we're at a point where they're not allowed to leave. Now, up until as of recently, if you wanted to leave, he didn't have a problem with it. Go ahead, get out. But now we've shifted into you are now here and you're not going anywhere. Yeah. So he orders Maurice's, uh, Maurice's husband, Jacques, to cut off one of her toes. At first, Jacques refuses, but then Rock started literally started no-ballsing him. You don't have any balls. And tells him that his wife should be submissive to him the way that a woman should be. Mm. <laughs> so he no balls them, started saying, his, your wife isn't submissive to you the way that they're supposed to be, blah, 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 all that bullshit. But, and then he kept refusing, but then Rock told him, okay, if you don't cut off one of her toes, I'm going to take the axe and I'm going to cut all of her toes off. Every single one of them. Wow. And on this, Jacques very carefully, while crying, raised the axe and chopped off his wife's pinky toe with precision. That'd be hard, too, because your toes are pretty much a very compact unit. So separating, uh, isolating one would be, that'd be hard. That'd be hard. Rock also just starts beating the shit out of anybody that even remotely disobeys him. So now we're just in 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 the realm of, Pure all-out violence. It's just violence all the time. Uh, he's just beating people with this club and his fists, whatever he rocks, whatever he can find. If even so much as even looks at him wrong, these are now his property. All these people are his property. Oftentimes, after the beatings, 
The abused would then write long, drawn-out letters to Rock apologizing for what they had done. Wow. We got one of these letters up. One of them has been saved. Really? Saved from history. It was written by Francine Laflamme Hogla. If you remember Hogla, the one that he kept calling fat? Yeah, she wrote, she wrote one. We have one of these letters, yes. She had wrote this after being brutally beaten for sneaking some extra food at dinner. Mm-hmm. After working all day, not sleeping, and being starved to death. Okay. This is a letter she wrote after a, a hard beating. This is what she wrote to, to Rock Terrio. Quote, Hello, Pappy. I am writing about what you said on the subject of nutrition. It is very true that I nibble, a damnable fault that I dare not again repeat. The thought of ingesting such a large quantity of food in so little time discourages me, even if I work outside an entire day without eating. I ask that you forgive me. If it is stealing, I did not realize it. It is this fault that causes my plumpness. I do not want to be a plump and fat servant. That is too ugly next to the man that you are. I wish to be a true servant to you, my master. Alert, vigorous, with a clear and lively spirit, and well-balanced to serve you every moment of my life. I have a long way to go. Thank you, Pappy. I love you. Hogla. Wow. That's crazy. Oh, they don't. Meanwhile, up, the commune is growing. Over the past few months, they've added a second story to the main cabin. They've added a sauna. They've added a smokehouse. They've added two greenhouses, a horse stable, a storage room, and a brewery room that was there personally for uh, Rock to brew his terrible beer that only he was allowed to drink. Mm. With these new additions to the cult farm, Rock feels now proud enough to show it off. And this is when he contacts his ex-wife, Francine, if you remember. Yes, so he had an ex-wife. He, he he was married in the in the part one. They got a divorce. He still has two kids with Francine, by the way, Francois and Rock Jr. And Francine agrees to go on a few dates with Rock, and uh, they go out to some fancy steak joints. And on these dates, Rock brings along his follower Nico Ruel. Francine apparently didn't find that weird at all. Mm, no. And then after a few dates, Rock offers to bring Francine and the two children, uh, Rock Jr. and Francois back to the commune to show him around. And she does visit on several occasions. Every time they would show up, they would throw a party for Francine and the kids, and that brings us to one occasion in particular, Rob. Dun, dun, uh, dun. One that is, that is funny for a moment, and then it gets really dark. On one occasion, Francine and the kids, they come to visit. He has this party, and, and Rock wanted to do a feat of strength for all of his followers and Francine. Uh, he takes a box of 12-inch nails... In front of everybody at this little shindig at the commune there for Francine and his children. And he begins bending these 12-inch nails into V's with his bare hands. A feat that is honestly not all that impressive. I feel like, I mean, I don't have a 12-inch nail in hand, but I'm pretty sure I could probably bend it right now. I bet you could, too. Yeah, if it were 12-inch, you could bend it. Yeah, that's a lot of leverage you've got there. 12 inches. Yep. Not impressive. Now, while he's bending these nails one after another and then holding them up, all of the cult members clapped and all like the good little robots that they were. Uh, they were watching. They were acting like they were watching Rock burn the baby dragon from the tip of his cock. Like that's how impressive this was. Gross. Meanwhile, Francine just kind of sits there, staring and watching and thinking about how fucking ridiculous this whole thing is, and rightfully so. 
Eventually, though, she just busts out laughing. And how could she not? The whole thing is so stupid. But in response to her laughing, Rock grabs Francine by her hair, drags her out into the middle of the room in front of everybody, and begins, while holding her hair, punching her in the face and kicking her, kicking her in the stomach as hard as he can. She screams for help, but all of the members sit there in silence and watch, completely unaffected and emotionless. He beat her, he beat Francine, until she stopped screaming and was only crying and in the fetal position. Then he stood up, regained his composure, picked the nails back up, and started bending them into V's again like nothing had happened, with Francine in a heap at his feet. The crowd went back to clapping and celebrating their savior's manliness. people november of 1980 this is a very important month in this story out because this is the month that 23 year old guy veer shows up at the commune and this is going to be a very important character here guy veer 23 years old literally a mental patient that had just wandered away from the hospital (laughs) he wanders away and ends up there yes showed up wanted to join the cult Rock spoke with him for a few minutes, just long enough to change his name to Ketamoth, which is a city in the Old Testament, and then put him right to work on the commune there and told him he had to eat and sleep in a shed outside in the meantime until he moved up in rank in the cult. It was, by the way, the middle of winter. This is November. Wow. So Guy stayed there in that shack, in that cold shack, and worked his ass off. And at the end of that winter... Rock offered Guy a contract that, that gave him a room in the house, but he only had it under it. There, there was some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Stipulations. Mm. If he moved to that room in the house, he had to take over 24-hour care of the three kids in the house that weren't the offspring of Rock himself. So he was to be there to, to, to take care of the, the small children um, that weren't of, of no relation to Rock. Basically, animals. Uh, to him. And those three children were Samuel and Miriam Gagir, who were two and four years old, and two year old Simon Ule. Now, all the children that had dripped from Rock Terrio's loins, they were kept on the other side of the commune. And Guy Veer was told not to interact with them. He, they didn't want this mental patient around them. Mm-hmm. Right. right, naturally. Why would you? Yep. By the way, uh, now 12-year-old Rock Jr. was also staying his summers at the commune, and he loved it there. They treated him like royalty. Rock Jr. loved it, 12-year-old. Loved being at the commune. He, he, he had it made in the shade there, literally, with his dad watching them all work while his dad uh, raped women one by one. Wow. Now, like I already touched on and talked about, the children that had no blood ties to Rock were forbidden from any kind of affection from their mother or father whatsoever. They were treated like shit. And they were basically uh, their purpose. You're probably wondering, why didn't he just kill them or get rid of them or, or take them? They're, he's raising these kids to be slaves for the future of the commune. Oh, okay. That yeah, was to be their purpose. Sense. He didn't want them to have emotions. He didn't want to, They were basically just work hands. These are going to be slaves for the future. Yeah. He forced these children to live in sheds while the Terriot children lived in the main house. And many times they had to live out in the elements if they pissed Rock off. And an infraction, by the way, that could piss Rock off is being heard or seen by him while he was in one of his little bitch moods. <laughs> With this in mind, as far as Rock was concerned, he had just assigned Guy Veer to basically take care of livestock. 
the way he's starting to see him. September 30th, 1981. This is a bad day. Two-year-old little Samuel Gagir is having a rough night. He likely misses his mother and father. It's cold. It was around 26 degrees that night. And he's, he's, he's laying here. He's two years old. He's laying in this little shack with no heat in this shitty little built shack cabin slash cabin that he shares with these two other children and Guy Veer, an escaped mental patient. Two-year-old little Samuel is crying. He's cold. He's lonely. And after hours of crying, Guy Veer stands up from his bed, walks over, and begins punching the child as hard as he can in the face. He punches the two-year-old over and over until he goes quiet and goes unconscious. And we usually just gave him a warm bottle or, like, rubbed their hair. (laughs) Yeah. Never tried this part. This is not a – probably – wow. Okay. After the child goes quiet, Gavir just goes back to bed. Wow. The next morning – Little Samuel's face was badly bruised, but he was awake, and he was sitting up, but he was just like kind of out of it. I think it's likely he probably had brain damage of some kind. Yeah. Uh, when Rock sees the two-year-old, they, they bring it to his attention. Little Samuel's like out of it. He's acting weird. Um, Rock decides that little Samuel's sudden loopiness it had nothing to do with him being punched repeatedly by a full-grown man throughout the night. It was because of... He hadn't been circumcised. Oh, is that, that's what, yeah, that's what it is. That's what it was. Oh it was, he, he, oh, he still got his foreskin. That's causing him to act drunk suddenly. Oh By the way, foreskin doesn't grow overnight. He always had it. Yeah. You don't wake up one day with foreskin like, oh, my <laughs> foreskin came in. No. No, the boy needed circumcised. Now, because these children weren't Rock's own, doing practice surgeries on them wasn't a big risk for him. You know, if they died, they just died, whatever. It's like a calf died. Much like he kind of looked, it was like Joseph Mengele with his, his experiments on the Jewish at Berkow. Yeah. Berkow. Berkow. <laughs> that felt inappropriate, to be honest. Really? Oh, wow. Uh, what this boiled down to op is Rock just wanted to see if he could successfully circumcise somebody. That's all this is. Oh. That's all this is. That night up, he tried to circumcise two-year-old little Samuel with a razor blade. And for anesthetic, he forced pure ethanol into Samuel's mouth with one of those booger getters. You know what I'm talking about? The rubber things. Oh, yeah. It's got a bulb at the end of it. He filled one of those full of ethanol and pumped Samuel's stomach full of it. Ethanol. That's a fuel, literal fuel. To put in gas, put in a car, yeah. During the circumcision, so while he's cutting around Samuel's little penis there, two-year-old Samuel, he dies of acute alcohol poisoning brought on by the literal fuel that Rock had pumped into his stomach. He's, we now have a the first murder at, at the uh, commune, and this is two, a two-year-old. The next morning, Rock orders Guy Veer to burn the two-year-old's body because he was worried there would be a police investigation. Now, if I've said, like I've said, uh, op, if Rock is anything, he's brazen, right? Yeah. Because the next day, on September 14th, 1981, Rock Terrio put Guy Veer on trial on the commune for the murder of two-year-old Samuel Gagir. 
even though Rock had technically been the one to kill him. Yeah, I, um, yeah, Rock did it. I remember that. Yeah, he just said it like thirteen seconds ago. So mm. now, yeah, guy probably shouldn't have punched the child in the face, but what technically killed him was the acute alcohol poisoning. And when I say trial, imagine a bunch of nine-year-olds playing trial. It's basically like the Little Rascals. Not if they did an episode where they had to put Stymie or Alpha Alpha on trial for loving a girl. Like, it's that kind of thing. Hear ye, hear ye. It's a can of Campbell's soup it's tied to the end of a stick. Order in the court. That's what went on here. It's Little Rascals playing, playing dress up and trial. This is just a bunch of smelly, stupid hippies up in the mountains playing trial. This, By the way, playing trial, but with a real murder case. Wow. There was a defense, which was played by Claude, a judge, Jacques, a prosecutor, played by Giselle, a coroner, played by Gabrielle, because, and she was chosen to be the coroner because she had a nursing background, and all the rest of the members were the jury. Not going to work out well. In the trial, Gavir was found not guilty. What? <laughs> by reason of insanity. He was, to be fair, a literal escaped mental patient. Yeah. After all. <laughs> <laughs> but up two hours after the verdict, Rock changed his mind on their verdict because he had that power. He could veto anything. And he said there would actually be punishment. He was guilty. There would be punishment. Rock decided Guy Veer was to be castrated. And who do you think he believed was best suited to perform that castration op? Himself. Himself? Rock Terrio. That's uh, a good guess. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, Guy Veer wasn't stoked about the fact that he was about to be castrated. But Rock convinced him that if he would let him go through with it, it would cure his headaches and respiratory problems. And Guy eventually agreed and was then forced to write a letter of consent classifying him in the cult as a steric a sterile eunuch. Wow. And no and and there isn't anybody standing like at this point they're like, "Oh, this is it. I'm out." It, my Bible name nope. was one thing, but this is too nope. far. Wow. Yeah. Nope. Wow. That not up. 12-year-old Rock <laughs> Jr. was brought in so that he could watch the castration of Guy Veer. And that's when they took Guy Veer, they laid him out on the kitchen table and had Claude and Jacques hold his legs still. Chantel's job was to hold a pin light and point it right at Guy Veer's cock and balls while Rock used rubber bands and placed them around his balls, cut off the circulation at the base. And then Rock pulled out an old razor blade, cut his balls open, pulled them out, and then cut the strings and sinew that were holding them in, all while Gavir tried to kick and scream. Wow. That's... The balls were then placed in a Kleenex and then tossed in the trash can like old yogurt cup lids. <laughs> what an odd... What? <laughs> okay. Oh, well. The next, the next day, Guy's now empty ball sack swole up and turned purple. And over the next few weeks, Walk, Rock, still feeling like he hadn't suffered enough, would routinely get shit-faced 
and for his own amusement, have Guy Veer stripped naked and then tied to a tree so that he could beat him senseless with various objects until he was crumpled at the base. It's also around this time, as if Rock couldn't get more disgusting up, he begins molesting the young girls, some of them as young as six years old, of the commune and forcing them to do sexual favors on him. Wow. I forget. I forgot until just right now that there were like children there as well, not just adults. Yeah, still children here. And this is when he begins molesting him, molesting ah, them. Um, he makes them pretty regularly. Uh, always feels great. Like, yeah. I, he makes them jerk him off. Yeah. That's like r- regularly. Um, amongst other things. Uh, I did find a, an article that went into details. Yeah. Um, I don't want to go yeah, into it. I, I just it, He's molesting the kids. That's good. He's molesting the... Yeah, we'll leave that there. I mean, it's your show. November 5th. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'll talk about anything, but I'm not going to go into detail about molestation. Yes. He's molesting the the, the kids and making them do things to him. Um, November 5th, 1981, about two months after the castration, Gavir has gotten tired of it. He's gotten tired of the beatings. He's had enough. He's tired of having a ball sack that just constantly smacks him in the asshole every time the wind blows now. Because there's nothing holding it holding it down. It just... <laughs> when he runs, it just goes behind him like a flag because there's nothing in it. Yeah. I wonder if it still like shrivels up in the cold though, and just like disappears though. I don't know what you just were saying because uh, because of all the first stuff. So I'm just gonna say, wow, oh my goodness. <laughs> so Gavir, he's tired of the beatings. Late one night on November fifth, nineteen eighty one, he sneaks away into the darkness and walks thirteen miles to the village of Saint Job's. That following morning, he finds a local. It's literally, it was literally just a dude that was like running errands. He's just like, oh, I gotta take the mail. And then, the, like, a homeless looking, nutless, crazy patient runs up and starts ranting about a child being killed by a horse up at the commune. He tells him he's killed by a horse, which wasn't true. Police are notified, and on that same day, they close in on the compound. And on Wednesday, December 9th, 1981, up, all seven children are taken from the commune and placed in foster care. That same time, Rock, Jacques, Maurice, Gabriel, and Guy Veer are all taken into custody and held responsible for the death of two-year-old Samuel. All right, so this we're, must be rounding the end of this because they're now in jail. Good. Yep. That's what you can assume. Yes. Uh, on Thursday, to further that theory that you have, on mm. Thursday, the next day, December 10th, 1981, police discovered the buried remains of two-year-old Samuel just 300 meters from the main house on the commune. They didn't yep. even, um, all, by the way, the parents of all the children that were sent to foster care. Yeah. The, the police offered them the opportunity to have their children back if they just left the commune in the cult. And they did it. And they said, Every yeah. single one of them refused. What's wrong? Abandoned their children because they refused to leave Rock and the cult. I don't. I don't understand. Now, you may think it all ends here, Rob. Right? Hell, it should. Should. Yeah, a a two-year-old was murdered. Yep. Surely they all, they all went to prison for the rest for the rest of their lives and the remain what was left of the cult they broke up and moved on and got mental help and lived long successful lives and got jobs and died of old age right that's what you think happened naturally justice served so 
In June of 1982, Rock Terrio was sentenced to... Thousands of... Two years. years in prison. Are you kidding me? Two years in prison. What? Rock is 38 years old at this point in time, and he will only be 40 years old when he gets out, and that's if he serves the full sentence. I don't understand how laws work anymore then. I don't understand that. Guy Veer, old nutless, he sent back to Robert Gifford Mental Hospital in Quebec City. Meanwhile, Rock is sent to Orsainville Detention Center in Quebec City. And uh, guess what, Op? Over that two years while Rock is in prison, he doesn't lose a single solitary follower. What, they just stayed at the commune and just... Nope. Oh. They got, they got an apartment in Quebec City. And so they could be closer and visit. But we're going to get in to all that on the next episode because the shit still hasn't hit the fan yet. And it's about to because Rock Terrio is about to get out of prison after two years. But we'll get into all that in the next episode. And the final part, part three of the Anhill Kids. Oh, wow. All right. Oh, I, I don't understand. Like, I, I'm already sickened and we haven't even started. So I think what we're going to... Yeah, it hasn't even got gross yet. What we're probably going to do for the next... You know how I have the all the things that are like... Like that, you know, on my little yeah, thing? Yeah, I know that I you I'm have just going to send you a list of audio clips with me going, What? Ah, oh, no. And I'll just... Are you kidding? You'll just hear this? <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> because... This is good. I don't know. I'm. I'm. Uh... Well, I mean, when you got so much information, right? I mean, even with limited interruptions, uh, we're at two hours and twelve minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And, and sometimes episodes, there'll be episodes in the future where they're not going to be multi-parts. It'll be one part, just like in the past that we've done. And there's room for conversation and room for side roads. And sometimes, like cases like this where you've got multi-parters, there's just so much information, and it's already going to be. You know, this thing is going to be. By the time we're done, six hours long, and that's without a lot of side roads. Right. Well, and 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 to your point, in the past when you've been high and your voice inside your head says, "You're talking too much," I I struggle in these long ones because I'm like, it's going to be so long, and so every time I even say, "What?" Oh, I'm like, stop doing that. Just like everybody else is saying every time they hear me say it. So we're all on the same page, buddies. People. I'd still rather hear that than full body chills. <laughs> I'll try to incorporate a couple of those in the next episode. All right. Well, I'll call you tomorrow for the Do third. not do that, please. <laughs> because you don't want me to call you or you won't be prepared. <laughs> Both. Okay. Love you so much. Okay. Okay. Oh, hi. said bye bye yeah see you later buddy